the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are continuing in the sixth chapter of Galatians. Paul is bringing this letter to a close, and he's given the Galatians both instructions and warnings. And again, the context is the Galatian churches had succumbed to the false teaching and had been sitting under the teaching of Judaizers who had fed them this grace-law mix, a distorted gospel which Paul said was really no gospel at all. But what was the root of the problem? We've talked about this before. What was the root of the problem that drove the Galatians to embrace heresy? Well, Paul has explained it, and he explains it this way, that for the Christian, there are two paths to walk. Now, one of them is a lie, and the other one is reality for us. But we have two paths we can walk. We can walk after the flesh, or we can walk in the Spirit. After the flesh means to imitate, means to live the lie, means to act and behave as the old man did and as someone would that is alienated from the Spirit of God. To walk according to the Spirit means that we access the Spirit of God that we have, that we're in union with, and we live in a determined faith, empowered by Him, guided by Him, taught by Him. Well, we've covered that extensively over the past week. And Paul had lists and listed for us in Galatians 5 the deeds of the flesh and the contrasting fruits of the Spirit. And we can walk after the flesh, but the flesh is not who we are. Our identity is no longer in the body under the rule of the power of sin or the sin principle. Our bodies are all that is left of that old man, the old man's memories, The old man's flesh patterns, weaknesses, all that was true of the old man's behavior can be relived in this body. Did you get that? All that was true of the old man and his behavior can be relived. That means experienced in this body. With one exception, you can never be separated from God, ever. Now, if we walk after the flesh... We are subject to the weaknesses and the appetites of the flesh. Temptations, as I've said before, temptations are geared, are targeting the flesh, not the spirit. 
Temptations are not coming against the new creation because the new creation doesn't want any, is not having any. The new creation is in union with Christ and has no desire to try to unite itself with the body. It's just that the body is the vehicle that we move around in. The Galatians have been drawn into living after the flesh, and they were using religion and law to justify themselves, to prove themselves to man and to God. And as they embraced the heresy of the false teachers, they became less and less tolerant of truth. Now, why would they do that? Because the temptation for us always, the temptation for a Christian is to walk according to the flesh, to walk after the flesh. We are tempted to live as though these bodies are who we are, and the things that are out there in that world, the temporal things, those represent our reality. They represent our goals and the things that we fear. They represent the truth of our lives. So when we look at our lives as a whole, we look at it according to the flesh, and that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to disregard who we are in Christ and make preeminent who we are in the flesh. Christ changed that. He turned it completely upside down. So your identity is no longer there. But the enemy, if he's going to have any hope of bringing you into deception, any hope of distracting you from living in the abundance that Christ came to give you, any hope of moving you out of a victorious life into living into some kind of false bondage, he's got to do it by bringing you back into the flesh where he rules. And don't kid yourself, the lie that we carry is that if I'm living in the flesh, I'm living to what I want. Ha ha, that's not true. You see, the truth of the matter is that you were born with a will to choose between God and not God. But you weren't born, you weren't born with a will to live independently of both. You can't straddle that fence. It's not possible. God won't share the throne with anybody. Now, the problem is that if we embrace the lie that we are flesh or that we live after the flesh or we are according to the flesh, then we are vulnerable to all kinds of distortion and heresy. And we become less and less tolerant of the truth. You've watched it over the years. Those of you who've gone to church for a long time have seen it in people's lives. You see them kind of start drifting away. And they, you know, they, once they were real involved, once they were really focused, once they, they had a joy about them. But you see those, those ropes come loose from the moorings of truth one after another. And they begin to drift out further and further. And next thing you know, you don't hardly see them anymore. Why? It started with them believing the lie. The way the Christian in which the Christian has been created to live is in and by the Spirit, to be responsive to and empowered by our union with the Spirit of God. When we walk in the Spirit, we're expanding in the truth. We're expressing and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We are fulfilling our created purpose. We are the ministry of Christ, but we must choose. We can either live in the truth of our life in Christ, or we can live in the lie of the enemy that would identify us with our flesh. And Paul says, that's the battle. That's the battle that's going to go on as long as you're in this body. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Whose desire is that? The flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. 
Now, look at that. There's only really two desires there you can live to. Does it say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of Todd? It says, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. There's an entity, a power, a strength in the flesh, a principle is what Paul calls it, that will co-opt and corrupt your desires with its own. Now, let me ask you this question or make this statement. You're a new creation, aren't you? What is really the desire of your heart? Jesus, the lover of your soul, the truth of your life, the eternal truth of your being. It's Jesus. What is your appetite in the new creation? Him and him and him and him. And let me have some more him, please. That's your appetite. The pleasure of the new creation is obedience and truth. But the inclination of the flesh is self-indulgence and pride. To walk in truth requires faith. To walk after the flesh is to live in a lie. Now, after having explained what the choices are, the Holy Spirit, through the pen of Paul, begins to give the Galatians instructions for living. Now, it is important for us to keep in mind the context of these instructions. Are these instructions to the flesh of man? Or are they instructions on how to walk according to the Spirit of God, empowered by Him? Because if we embrace these things from a man-centered point of view, they will condemn you, and rightly so. But if you embrace the truth of them, then it turns it on its ear. There is an excitement, there is a joyfulness at the truth of what God will do and is doing through you. It's probably a different approach than you've heard to some of these verses. Today we'll begin looking at Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. So look at verse 6 with me. The one who is taught the word of God is to share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his spiritual and material support. Now, initially that would seem kind of out of place, considering what we just looked at in chapter 5. It seemed like we'd just kind of taken a side road here, and what a road to take. Now, you know I don't speak on finances or money very often, and when I do, it's because that's where we are in Scripture. But I'm going to tell you that he is what he is addressing, these Galatians, remember, these Galatians had been under the tutelage of false teachers. These false teachers for all this time have been teaching and, and trying to grow them in the heresy that was was their teaching. So they had been milking the congregation. You see, if there was no support for these teachers, they wouldn't have stuck around. You would have seen nothing but camel's hooves. They would have been out of there, right? But somebody, somebody was supporting them. I would say somebody's were supporting them. Now, remember what I just told you about the flesh versus the spirit. As you move into the flesh, your appetite for the truth wanes. In fact, the truth starts becoming a little bit offensive. So what happened to the teachers that were there in the church who were teaching truth? Well, I would imagine their attendance was down substantially. Because we're not just talking one church. We're talking all the churches of Galatia, okay? So you got to know that they weren't all sitting under one pastor. They had teachers and disciples at each location. And not all of these teachers and disciples were given over to the heresy of the Judaizers. Some of them were sincerely grounded in truth. But I guarantee you, attendance dropped off to next to nothing 
when the Judaizers began to sway the congregation into worshiping according to the flesh, living in the law. So what he says is this, what he is saying, support the one who nurtures you. Paul is drawing a contrast between the teacher of truth and the false teacher. Paul writes that the one who is taught, taught refers to verbal teaching or instruction, and it's present tense, so that person was doing this continuously. He says, the one who is teaching you, support them. Support the one who nurtures you with truth. Quit throwing your support towards false teachers and the pursuits of the flesh. Every believer hungers for truth. This is specific to those who hunger for truth. And they say, you want, if you are hungry for truth, support the ones that are bringing you truth. Quit supporting these other yahoos. That's really the Todd paraphrased version. Okay? So the word that he speaks of, he says, those who taught the word. And the word that he's using there is the Greek word logos, which is the word for God's truth. It has its source in God. So they weren't just bringing some devotional. They were bringing the truth of God to the people. It had its source in God himself. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed has its source in God, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. And that word share means to impart, to give forth, and it's a command. It's not an option. He is telling them, support these guys. You're not getting truth from the other guys. Support these guys. Bring them back. And obviously this refers to material support, but even more obviously, this is in the context of walking in the Spirit. Being obedient to support the ministry of truth, and it should be divinely motivated. Being obedient to support the ministry of truth. And the word, he says, he says, the one who is taught the word of God to share all good things with his teacher. You're encouraged, they're encouraged to share all good things with the teacher. So they're not just talking about money. They're talking about prayer. They're talking about ministry. They're talking about encouragement. All of those things share all good things. Okay. And that word Good there is the Greek word agathos, and that means benevolent good, benevolent good. It's also used as a reference to God. God is good. God is benevolent. God puts forth benevolent goodness. Support your teachers that they may commit themselves to the study of God's word so that they can have a singular focus. If they're committed to bring the truth, then support them so that their focus and their word can be singular. Okay, verse 7. This Now, keep the two together. Verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. Now, here is that one that we've heard quoted so many times. For whatever a man sows... This and this only is what he will reap. Now, 
Folks, that is a biblical principle. It is a law like gravity, okay? Very clear. Yes, we live in grace. Yes, we live in his mercy. But this is the truth of the law. What you sow, you will reap. Sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. Sow to the spirit, you will reap to the spirit. Do not be deceived. And that means do not wander away from the truth. Do not leave the truth. It's present tense. And it means do not continue to be deceived. Do not allow yourself to continue in this deception. And Paul is writing this because in their deception, they had been supporting the false teachers. And basically he's saying you're injuring yourself by turning up your noses at truth and financially supporting false teachers. You will reap more than you sow and of the same seed that you sow. If you reap and support deception and heresy, you will reap deception and heresy. If you sow to your flesh, even if it's religious, you're going to reap to your flesh. And here's the thing. Anything that you reap to the flesh is going to be a judgment unto you. It's going to be a curse unto you. It's going to take from you. And as we will discuss in a little bit, everything that the flesh produces is produced with corruption. That means it is decomposing in your hands. Do not be deceived. You're injuring yourself. Verse 7 is a warning to those who are determined in their carnality. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption and destruction. The world will call the cancer of sin a beauty mark, but it is not what you're carrying. It will eat you alive. Galatians 3.1, Paul writes, Oh, you foolish and thoughtless and superficial Galatians, who has bewitched you that you would act like this? To whom? Right before your very eyes, Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified in the gospel message. To be deceived literally means to be led astray. And this is done one step at a time. I've said that Christians are not deceived, and by that I mean they're never blind to sin. You're in union with the Spirit of God. You're never blind to sin. The romance or the affair with sin begins with a wandering eye, a thought or mental indulgence that's allowed to become a fantasy. This sounds like a path of sexual sins, but it's actually the path of every sin. In the end, we can say that we were deceived or led astray, but the journey began with our choosing to make the first wrong step. We can deceive ourselves by choosing to believe a lie. You can live self-deluded, and you can believe that there are no consequences. Again, there's grace and mercy, but grace and mercy will not insulate you from the consequences of sin. Sin punishes sin, doesn't it? Absolutely. You eat bad chicken, and there'll be grace and mercy for you, but it'll be while you're visiting that porcelain thing in there. Grace and mercy will not insulate you from from the consequences of sin. God will allow. Now, I want you to hear me. God will allow consequences to the degree that they bear witness to the truth. Not to punish, but to discipline the child of God. Not to punish, but to discipline the child of God. Now, God is not mocked. In translation, that means you cannot turn up your nose at God. You cannot violate the truth and believe that there won't be a result. Mocked means to be ignored, to be indifferent towards Do not be deceived concerning this principle. Do not be thoughtless, nonchalant, or careless. 
Do not rationalize self-indulgence or spiritual laziness. Verse 8, for the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh the ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Now, people read that verse. And it's kind of cast in a negative light because he's, he is pointing his finger at those people who walk, who determined to walk in carnality. And he's telling them, stop it. Do you see what you're spreading? Do you see what you're doing to yourself? Do you see how you're hurting the church? You're hurting the truth in, in, in proliferation of the truth within the church? Do you see what's going on? Do you see how it's affecting you? Stop it. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap to the flesh. Sow to the spirit. But I want you to take this and look at it in what it is saying, exactly what it's saying. It is guaranteeing that if you walk according to the flesh, you will sow according to the flesh. And yes, that's sad. But it's equally guaranteeing you that if you walk according to the Spirit, you're going to reap according to the Spirit. And that takes precedence in my mind. That's a greater thing for us. Let us rejoice. Because all it takes is a choice of faith for you to reap the benefits of heaven. That's what it's telling you. I can go through life and I can continue to reap the death and corruption of flesh way out on this end, or I can go through life and I can live in the abundance of Jesus Christ, the abundance of his peace, the abundance of his rest, the abundance of his truth, that unwavering faithfulness of his life within me. I can live in the truth of that. I can rejoice with that. And I'm going to reap that. And here's the, here's another part of that. I will sow, I will reap more than I sow continually. It's been the truth of my life. Hasn't he given you so much more than you've ever given him? I will reap more than I sow. That means if I just, with my weak faith, determined to walk in truth, I am sowing. That's S-O-W, mom. Sowing. I am sowing the truth. And it is bringing forth a harvest. And here's the neat thing about it. It's a guarantee. It's a principle. It's a law, which means that just living life I am sowing a harvest. And you know what's cool about that? Everybody's worried about the beam and seat. Well, I'm not even sure that that's something you need to even think about. Because, you know, all they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to point to the great works of Christ. Isn't that what you want to look at anyway? Well, I'm not worried about what gets burned up. It needs to get burned up. But you know what the reality is? That we're going to be absolutely shocked. Because Christ worked through this frail flesh, this weak vessel, this jar of clay. And every day of my life, he has been scattering seed, the seed of my spiritual life. I have no idea, no concept of what has been, what has been sown in the name of Christ. And I have absolutely no concept, even a small inkling of how great the harvest has been. Man, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. And we're not going to be walking around with our thumbs in our armpits. We're going to be rejoicing with the Lord, rejoicing in him. Well, verse 8, for the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And for the believer, there are two fields to sow in. 
the flesh and the spirit. Sowing is present tense. And Paul is writing about a lifestyle, a way to live. This is the way you live. This is not just when you go to the honky-tonk versus when you go to Sunday school. This is breathe in, breathe out, daily living. And Paul is writing about this lifestyle. And yes, yes, and you should know this if you've been around any length of time, a Christian can live a carnal life for the majority of his life if he chooses to. But he is reaping all kinds of difficulty and corruption. And you've seen it. You've seen those who've walked in the flesh for, you know, and you've watched their marriages dissolve. You watch their children go off into the world. You watch all kinds of things go on in their life. The misery that it affects. The corruption that brings forth. You see it. Those who walk after the flesh will define their religious works as spiritual sowing, and I've seen that. I've done it. They're willing to do religious works, but they do not want to be confronted with truth. They want to be entertained and have their ears tickled, like in Second Timothy verses four. I mean, chapter four, verse three. I've read this before. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold. And that's what was going on in the Galatian church, and that's what's happening in modern Christianity today. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. 